Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, welcome to the B&E Podcast. We are going to talk about why or why not to have a career in the arts. Yes, indeed. I mean, it seems like um, it seems like a really obvious category in some ways that we just haven't really dove into before. Well, yeah, I mean, we're this whole podcast is about navigating artistry and industry, and uh, it's a good talk because you know, why even bother navigating this industry of artistry? (laughs) Yeah. Why even do it? I mean, I think there's the obvious reasons like you enjoy it. You're passionate about it. It's fun. Yeah. Um, you get to express yourself. There's a certain lifestyle that comes with it. But Um, at the same time, it does come with its own set of interesting challenges. <laughs> oh, I see. You're bad cop. I'm good cop. Because <laughs> now you talk about the challenges. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it means a life of insecurity and <laughs> and no money and In, inconsistent money. When inconsistent you make it. money and and constantly coming up against your own validity as a human being. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, uh, I think with the regular, with the more regular standardized job, you don't necessarily question whether you're valuable or valid in it. Not all jobs, some more than others, but with artists being an artist, you definitely, definitely will go through that period. I think, um, at least I know I have, and I don't know pretty much every artist that I know. Um, am I good enough? Am I, Am I valuable? Am I important? Do I have it? You know, that's well, yeah, because you don't, you don't get immediate sort of response for the service that you do. No. Um, you know, it's like it with almost anything else, there is a pretty direct cause and effect. You know, there's, there's an exchange that goes on that is quite clear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you work in a coffee shop, it's quite obvious. People are already there because they want coffee. They already have the value set upon them. They give you the money, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's a clear exchange just to put it into a very basic sort of way. The value is we don't even think about it because it's just so, so normal. Um, well, I mean, also I think, uh, you, the, the coffee shop is already established. And if you're working at the coffee shop, you know, I mean, let's just take this further. There's an entrepreneurial thing to being an artist, which is, uh, you know, a lot of people, that's another thing is like, if you're going to be an artist to some, in some ways, you're probably going to be a bit entrepreneurial, you know, unless you're a little more of a technician, which is, I think less artistry and more being, you know, technical, but if you're really going to be an artist, like someone who's going to create something out of nothing to lead a team, to build a vision, to do that, you're definitely going to need to learn some entrepreneurial skills. Mm. Yeah. Cause you're going to learn how you're going to need to learn how to be self-motivated. You're going to learn, need to learn how to value your own work, what to say yes to, what to say no to. Um, you're going to probably work sometimes and not get paid anything. You're going to create something that maybe never sells. Uh, you're going to have to learn how to sell it. You're going to learn how to market and sell yourself. Yeah. 
um, you're going to have to like, I mean, you know, just, uh, I know people who are in sales. I mean, you got to get out there and talk to people and introduce people and pitch people. If you're an actor, you got an audition, you know? So there's, um, a certain, and you got to get headshots. You got to get an agent. You got to do certain things, right? That, uh, you know, and there's a lot of actors out there who aren't represented, you know? Um, there's a lot of, people who are represented but aren't getting out for auditions yeah (laughs) there's there's all sorts of there's all sorts of um elements to being an artist so before we talk you out of it entirely and make you want to quit doing it (laughs) this is the kind of thing we're going to discuss and um why why uh for those who do it why the cons are outweighed by the by the pros and for those who don't do it but are thinking about doing it why you might start dabbling, I guess. Yeah. Cause we're both artists. We're not here trying to talk people out of it, but I think it's good for people to discuss the realities of what we all deal with. Yeah. I, I, cause I think there's a lot of illusions and myths about what, what being an artist is. Um, I mean, there are certainly some stereotypes, which I wish were not as true as they are. <laughs> yeah. Like what are, a, what are some stereotypes? Oh, you know, well, you know, especially for, for actors, um, there is this sort of, um, almost like a laziness <laughs> stereotype, which is like, ah, there's some truth to it. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I went to the gym, I called my agent, I'm beat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go and sit on a patio with, you know, for drinks with some friends, you know, or <laughs> for the rest of the afternoon. And, yeah. and it's like, yeah, okay. You know, but I mean, it's, I don't know. Sometimes I think one of the things about being an artist is that, and, and, and I know that I've, I've fell into this, into this trap very early in my, in my career as an actor was, yeah, the sense that, it's like, okay, well, you know, like I've, I've got my headshots, I've, you know, got my agent, I've, you know, whatever. And now I just wait by the phone. I just wait by the phone. (laughs) And, um, and it's so, it's so bad for so many reasons to be that way. For one, I mean, it's, then you're just waiting for a phone call all the time. Like Mm -hmm. your life becomes all about receiving a phone call. Yeah. Uh, and also it, I think it's also somewhat of a distraction behind your, your reason, your whole reason behind what you're, you're doing is like, is this really what it's all about for you? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is it really all about just waiting for, for a phone call? And, and so you can sort of stop exploring, uh, your, your self as an artist mm-hmm. when you, when you get into that mind frame if that makes any sense. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot of actors, um, and I mean, there's some really, really hardworking actors out there. So I'm not, not necessarily saying, I'm just talking about the average that I've seen and I've done myself is your, you know, you got your agent, you got your headshots, you got all your stuff, your clothes, your wardrobe, whatever, all that stuff set up and you're in acting class and you kind of do acting class and acting class is kind of like, okay, I'm working on my craft and working on my craft and my craft. And then, which is all good. You wait for that call or whatever. And, you know, and, um, I think there's, uh, there's a lot of problems. I know like from, from the acting point of view, cause I mean, I, I, I do acting, filmmaking, screenwriting, 
but you're all three different, very different artistic mediums, but you're all in the same industry. But, uh, being an actor, I find that there's, um, it's really, really easy to lose your sense of integrity because, mm. you know, you schedule a meeting with someone and then all of a sudden an audition comes up and you cancel that meeting because the audition comes up. And so there's this kind of, uh, you know, you kind of keep your days open and you don't really ever give your word between nine to five, basically, because if you do, you know, that you might have to break it. So if you do say, Hey, let's have a coffee meeting with someone, you say, barring any auditions or whatever, because whenever an audition comes along, you, you know, you are kind of fortunate to get that because so many people are not getting it. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, when we talk about acting, we can talk about, you know, a little bit about like, and that's, and that's what we're really trying to discuss. We're trying to talk, talk about this type of stuff. Like how do you navigate that? Where, where is like the artistry in the industry? Where does that meet? And the artistry I think is more about yourself and the industry is more of what you have to meet, but you never want to make one or the other totally dominant. You know, you want to find that balance and be respectful of both but not be a slave to either, mm-hmm. you know? And I, and I, I, I'm not going to necessarily speak for musicians or, or painters or, or video game designers. Cause I don't really know what it's exactly like for them. But, um, I think as an artist, more than anything, you have to have a sense of integrity and, and respect for your work and your craft than you do for, for just about anything. Because, um, you know, you, you can be taken for advantage and, and basically be at the whim of so much if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely have to be a strong person, I think, to be, to be an artist in ways like, you know, it's, which flies somewhat in the face of what a lot of people might think of as artists. I think there's, um, I don't know, there's like the, this weird sort of thing, like artists are, are very, you know, they're sensitive and delicate and there's all these sort of like weird things about like, Oh, you're an artist, you know, this airy fairy kind of stuff. And it's like, it, it, it takes an incredible amount of strength to, to take something like that on because you, you are sort of your product, you know, like yeah. your products are you, um, in some, in some senses. And, and it can't be done without you. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't function on its own. You know, it's, you are it. And, um, and that's what really people, people end up buying, mm-hmm. you know, when it, when it gets to that, it's like there are people who are buying you, uh, and what you do and what you bring mm-hmm. and nobody else can, can do that. And yeah, there's, you can easily be sort of blown around within, in this whole thing, um, by all kinds of different sorts of forces and influences. If you don't have a real sense of why you are doing this and a sense of this thing that's inside you that wants to be an artist, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think that's why so many, you know, it's, it's almost laughable in how many interviews I've seen with, with actors, as well as like my own advice to friends or family members who've come to me and say like, Oh, Hey, like I'm, was interested in maybe being like an actor or going into this field. And it's always kind of like, well, why do you want to do it? 
Like, why do you want to do this thing? Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you would be happy doing? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because if there is, then I would say do that. Right. Um, just because there, there are so many, I I find that the life of an artist really puts you up. It really puts you up against yourself. It really puts you up against your, your own insecurities, like everything that you are, it eventually puts you up against that. Even if you get into being an artist out of a sense of, you know, fame and glory, which is reserved to very few amount of people (laughs) who ever get into it, no matter what, what you get into, whether you're a musician or an actor or a writer or, you know, a painter, sculptor, what have you, there's very few people who become household names, Mm -hmm. you know, internationally by doing these things. And it's not that, it's not that anybody doesn't have a shot at having that happen, but you know, it doesn't happen for most and it doesn't usually happen right away. So you eventually find yourself and and this is my own experience is you find yourself in a place where you've been doing this for a while and you're maybe not at the place that you would hope to be, you know, like from way back when, when you first started to do this and you're like, yeah, like in a couple of years, I'll be, I'll be in Los Angeles, like with a big agent and I'll be, you know, doing, doing big blockbuster movies and blah, 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 blah. And next thing you know, it's like, you know, you've, you've had a lot of great things happen to you in your life and you've learned a lot of things, but those things haven't come. Right. And I mean, we talk a lot about not focusing on result for your goals, you know, like as like this, this sort of thing, how determining your happiness as an artist on some sort of thing outside of yourself is, is, um, a very sort of treacherous path to walk. Right. And I think this fits in line with that. Or it's like, if, if you're an artist or if you want to be an artist and you're coming in, you're like, well, you know, I just, I really want to be in in movies. I want my face out there. I want to be on TV and this and that there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but you will eventually come to a point, I believe where you're going to evaluate and you're going to be questioning why you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, what does it, what does it matter? You know, uh, when, when you get, when you get down to it, I mean, when you, if you get the money and you get all the stuff that you think you want, you know, what does any of it matter really? I mean, I, I don't know. I think there's a, there is kind of a lie that goes on with, with, with the pursuit of artistic endeavors. There's this, we have these industries in place, which reward musicians and actors and sometimes filmmakers, but they reward them really well. And I think a lot of people get into these industries because they go, really, they just want to be famous and they want to make money and they want to be a big deal and they want to be important and and whatever. And um, I'm not saying everybody does that, but I'd say that there's a good portion of people that are attracted to it. Um, You know, I lived in LA for a while and uh, my experience down there, I don't know how many people I met who were from all over America, all over from these small states and people who are from other places in the world. 
But the amount of people that came to LA with no acting training whatsoever, um, and they just thought that they would make it. They were good looking or something in their high school or whatever, and they showed up and thought they would make it. And um, I mean, it was, it, and it, and I felt I felt sad because there was like a, but at the same time you know, I felt sad for them. Not, I just felt sad because I felt like they, um, bought into the industry media communication of what this is. And it really isn't. And I think, um, even people who are in it, who really love acting, who have trained really hard, get caught up in it. And, and, um, you know, and I think with our peers, you know, people are booking work and getting work and making money and doing whatever. And we start to compare ourselves to them as though, that's the calibration of whether we're doing good work or not. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's such a dangerous, it's such a dangerous road to walk down because, um, you know, you lose track of, of why you're doing it all anyway, you know? Um, and I think what people don't realize too, is when you, when you step up into the limelight, and you step up to a position of power or a position of authority or whatever, you're not received as well as you would think, even when you're doing something really good. I mean, anyone who has a boss or a manager, you know, um, you know, granted some places they like that person and they get along with that person. But for the most part, you know, um, when you're an employee, you have kind of an experience of the boss as kind of, uh, you know, watch out when the boss is around, you know, the boss doesn't get to hang out the same way and and whatever. Um, and so, uh, general audience, general people, personality tends to be a little bit more like that. When people aren't creating themselves, they look and they judge. I mean, just look at Justin Bieber, for example, or Kim Kardashian or whoever you want to name it, but Justin Bieber, cause I actually think he's actually a talented young man. You know what I mean? So he's talented. He's come up with all these really good songs. There's lots of people that love him but there are a lot of people that really dislike him. And if you're trying to get to a position because you think that you'll feel all this love, I can promise you that you will not feel love for every thousand people that like you. There'll be one who doesn't. And that one person you will notice far more than you notice the thousand who like you. Yeah. And, um, I think there's something to do with our nature, like as human beings about how, you know, and I think when you're pursuing this thing about wanting to be desired, wanting to be liked, that it creates a crazy thing. And yeah, I know my saying this isn't going to stop people from pursuing that, but I think that's the kind of thing we're talking about. And I think if that's what you want, you don't really want to be an artist. What you want is you want some vehicle to be special. And I think, um, you know, you can pursue the arts to do that, but I think you're setting yourself up to walk a a minefield. Yeah. But if you're actually pursuing the arts, I think don't get distracted by this need to succeed, this need to be successful. I mean, like Morgan Freeman was like 50 years old when, when things happened for him, you know, Uh, um, just look at so many people. Right. And the thing is, is if, if you do it to be, um, famous, I think you're setting yourself up for a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I don't want to discourage people from, from, pursuing anything in, in the arts. It's like, if, if you have that interest, then definitely explore it, you know, but really, really explore it. 
Like, don't, um, I don't know, don't go in half, half-hearted with it. Like, if you're going to do it, then really give it a shot. See what it's, what it's like. And, yeah. and you'll probably very quickly find out whether it's something that you want to do or not. Because mm-hmm. in a way, I, I do think that it's something that you feel called to. It is somewhat of a calling. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, like I've, like myself, I've never felt any interest in doing anything outside of the arts. Like it's just, it's, it's something that's in me. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like the idea of doing anything else is just, no, like it's just, it can't, it doesn't even enter my, it, it doesn't equate right. with who I am. And, you know, if that, if that sounds like you on the other end of this, you know, where that just, it it makes sense for you, then, then go for it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have that pull, not necessarily saying not to explore that, but then maybe it's like really, really double check, (laughs) triple check. (laughs) Yeah. Where that's something you want to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I think, um, you know, I think, uh, if, if, you, you know, if you want to make money, then there's a lot of easier ways to make money than there, than, than doing it through the arts. Um, I think, uh, you know, just straight up become an entrepreneur. I think, uh, you know, learn how to create a business that offers value consistently and, you know, do something online and, and learn how to do that. If you want to, if you know, if you want to make a lot of money and have a certain lifestyle. Um, and, and, uh, I think create creativity is a powerful, it's a powerful skill and a tool to have. And, um, I think pursuing something in music or art or whatever, uh, acting, writing, whatever it might be. Um, the thing is, is that you're learning a skill and this skill does not, does not have to get you money. You know, you can do it because you love it. You don't have to do it to make money. And I think, um, the fact that some of us figure out how to actually take these things, these skills we have and, and find a way to make money by entertaining. Um, you know, I think that's really great, but I think that, you know, if you love acting, you don't necessarily have to do it to make money. You know, like some people, just love acting. I mean, just go do community theater and, and enjoy doing it and, you know, get better and start meeting great people. And you know what, you might end up finding out that you want to do it as a career, but yeah, I think, I think it's funny. Like I noticed with acting, like music's a little bit different because people actually, maybe it's not so much for singers, but, um, for musicians, at least who play instrument, you have to learn how to actually play the instrument. And then finally you'll get up on stage and you'll play. And who knows if you play it that well, and if your songs are that great, but at least you could learn how to play it. I find with acting though, it's like, Hey, you're pretty good looking. Why aren't you, why don't you start auditioning? Why don't you start doing this? And people have no skills whatsoever, whatsoever, just they've lived some life maybe. Yeah. And they're basing on their looks. And I think that it really undermines, it really undermines that medium, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it becomes something it's like, well, you just memorize a couple of lines and yeah, there's not necessarily, um, there's not necessarily an obvious barrier of, of entry into it. You know, it's just like, well, it's just you, you know, it's you and, and you learn a script, you learn some words and, and you say them. However, 
you know, and typically starts, you say them however you think they, they should be said kind of thing. That's, that's roughly like what a complete, you know, green amateur into acting kind of approaches it with. Um, and then after you've done a couple of classes, you realize there's a whole lot more that goes into it. Just Hopefully like, you just like that, writing. But... I mean, writing's the same way, you know, like yeah. people have never taken a writing class or read or write a book on writing. And look, I got a screenplay idea and they sit down and write it. And you know what? Congratulations on writing your screenplay, but there's so much more. And, um, if your story happens to work, it, you know, it's probably a fluke because the best screenwriters understand technique and they understand structure and they understand what they're doing. Um, you know, an amateur writer, um, their, their scripts will be super inconsistent. And usually their first script is really terrible because they don't understand that there's certain things in place that actually make a story really work. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, you know, it's like, it's like that with acting too, you know, but you know, it's funny with acting. I mean, people will show up who will be extremely good looking like models and they'll book on their first audition out. I mean, I, I, I have a friend and he's a male model and his first audition, he never booked anything after, but he's like his first audition he went out with booked the role, you know, big major television show. And, um, yeah, you know, he's this good looking guy, you know what I mean? And, and in a lot of ways, that's what they needed. They needed a fit, good looking guy. He hit, he hit the role. Um, and when it come down, when it came down to acting ability, it didn't really matter for that particular part. And so I think what, you know, there is, a certain amount of, if you're just a good looking person with acting, like, you know, it can help in a certain way. And I know like yeah. with musicians, lead singers, a lot of time, if they're really good looking, there's a certain marketability to it. Right? Yeah. It'll, it'll take you so far. Yeah. Only so far. It will only take you so far and, and it won't take you any further. Um, but for me, it's like that, that far that you want to go. It's for me, that's, that's become more of a personal thing you know, it's like, how far do I want to go in terms of, of the, the depths of, of my craft, you know, as opposed to how far do I want to go in, you know, in out there sort of sense. It's just like, well, you know, like if, if you want to be a writer, if you want to be an actor, it's just like, well, okay, if you really want to do it, then take a class, then read, read a book on it. And if you don't want to do those things, then, then why? <laughs> like if you, if you have some sort of a, uh, a resistance to wanting to do that, to even wanting to, to put anything into it, then I don't know if being an artist is, is something that you really want to do, at least maybe not as a career. Yeah. Like, again, like I, I think that everybody should learn some sort of an, a little bit of some sort of artistic discipline. I think it's beneficial to, to everybody. It's like, you know, you should, everyone should learn some kind of an art, whether you continue with it or not. And and whether you, you know, you paint at home, you know, on the weekends, or maybe if you jam with a couple of guys in a garage or something like that, or you do community theater, I don't know, like, or you do some improv with some people like that. I think that's all fantastic. And there's so much to be gained for it, but there is, there's that, there's a difference between, between that and saying, Hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to like make a career of this. I'm going to like dedicate sort of my life to this, to this thing. Well, and on the same note, you know, just to play a little devil, devil's advocate to the way we've been going, being great at whatever your 
artistic thing is, is not enough usually to succeed in uh, the industry of most, of most mediums. I mean, you might be the best actor, the best filmmaker, the best musician, best singer, best whatever, best painter. But if nobody knows about it, if you're not getting connected to people who can do something with it for real, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, just look at how many musicians who got paired up with the wrong record company and got totally taken advantage of and made no money off of a hit record they had. So when we're talking industry, we're, t- we're having a, a certain discussion and when we're talking artistry, we're having another discussion. And I think, um, you know, as artists, the, the ideal part of us is like, yes, be the best artist you can, you know, um, really do it for the love of it and, and do it cause you, you know, it's important to you and do it with connection and, and become good at it. But industry is equally as important. And sometimes you'll have people who are not really great artists but they're exceptional at industry. They're exceptional yeah. at understanding that. And so they will succeed more than the, the good artists, the, the really talented artists. So talent alone doesn't do it. But I think, um, if, if you are a really talented artist and that's important to you, learning how to navigate the industry is important. And I think that's kind of what we're having this talk because why do it beyond a hobby is really the question. Yeah. You know, why do any of this beyond just being a hobby? Why take it into the industry? Mm-hmm. You know, I, what you were saying remind me of, um, that famous Stella Adler quote where she said, it's not enough that you have talent. You have to have a talent for your talent. Hmm. I always like that one. Yeah, that's know, good. Yeah, that's, I, I agree with that. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots else that, that goes into it. I mean, you know, it's, this whole thing of like, you know, oh, like schmoozing and stuff like that. That's never been a strong suit for me. But that that was, I think I always just had a, an unhealthy mindset about about all of that, like what schmoozing was, where it's like, oh, it's this fake thing. It's like, no, it doesn't really have to be. I mean, it can, in fact, it's best if you just go and you get connected to people through what you're passionate about. Yeah. You know, it's, it's requires really, all it is, is an extension of you being like, Hey, listen, like this is what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm an actor and you know, like I love doing this. Like, what are you, what are you up to? I'd love to be a part of like, it's really it, in many ways, it's almost like an affirmation to others and, and to yourself of here I am. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is my, this is my job. This is my expertise. This is what I am an authority on. Right. And putting yourself out there that way. It's, it has nothing to do with like schmoozing and whining and dining people. You know, I think that's a very superficial look at, at what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But like you, it's, it's still something that is somewhat necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, well, schmoozing, I mean, like, I think when I hear the term schmoozing, I always think of like a superficial connecting with people because yeah. of what they do in the industry or whatever. But, um, uh, I think connections are important, but genuine connections genuine. Yeah. Are, are what matter. I mean, just knowing someone isn't important. I remember hearing this, uh, or reading a no fear t-shirt number back in the day was no fear. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and the quote was, it doesn't matter who, you know, it matters who knows you. And I think that's an important idea because it's like, yeah, like you, you know, you might meet a lot of people and you might connect to them, but who knows you? Like, why would someone say they know you? They're probably going to say they know you because there's some type of 
um, connection or some type of value they got out of you, which made you memorable for them to want to, um, affiliate or associate with you, you know? And so you want to think about in schmoozing, I think, um, brings up the idea for me. And maybe it's just the way the word, the way I hear the word, where I've seen it done is, um, that it's kind of this, I don't really bring any value, but you bring value. So I want to connect to you. Whereas connecting is I have value and you have value and let's get together, you know? Yeah. And we recognize the value in each other. Yeah. Unless, you know, when you look at, um, you know, that whole sort of Judd Apatow crew, you know, those guys always keep working, working together, you know, like the same sort of people and and with other filmmakers as well, you'll see directors, um, work with, the same, um, with the same DPs and some of the same actors, you know, and, and they they work with a lot of the same people. And, and that's what I think the kind of connection that you're looking for, you know, it's not like, oh yeah, just, yeah, cast your net and try and know lots of people and get lots of phone numbers for people who really don't necessarily give a shit. You know, you're just somebody that they sort of had a brief conversation with, you know, at some function or event Mm -hmm. for a couple of minutes, as opposed to these, you know, these groups of people who they continue to work with each other, they don't know everybody, but they knew each other. Yeah. Right. And they all came together and they all connected. And so they, they make things together. And I think that's what, you know, goes into that as far as making connections and, and building relationships. It's like, you know, there's, it's, there's nothing phony about it. It doesn't have to be phony. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, there's this huge stigma around all of it. And I know that I've, I've thought that way before as well, where it's just like, oh, you've just got to go and you've got to bullshit with a bunch of people. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And not realizing it's like, well, you don't have to go and bullshit with people. Well, you know, no, you you don't. It's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot like dating to find a relationship. It only takes one. And, um, when people are dating, you know, you might date and you might be like, well, I want to have a lot of short term superficial relationships. Maybe that's what you want. You know, ultimately those people will be in and out of your life and it'll be gone. But if you're, if you're trying to find someone who could be a partner, a girlfriend, wife, husband, boyfriend, whatever, um, if you're looking for that, then it only takes one. So that means you could go through 20, 30, 40 dates that are terrible. But if one person works out, you've won at the game. That's all it is. Yeah. And I think when it comes to connecting, schmoozing is like superficial dating. Like I just want to sleep with everybody in a way, like almost if you're related to dating, like, and have this short term, you know, whatever. Temporary, temporarily feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And then feel like, oh, I'm connected with a lot of people. I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of making it up. But, but real, real connecting, we're talking about, you know, you meet 40 people and out of those 40 people, one or two or three become a connection or a friend, or it's a hundred or it's a thousand. It doesn't really matter. But, um, you know, there's certain people I've met in my life who are monumentally influential to my career. And it's just one person. And, And every time I have something come by, I connect with them. You know, I go to them and they're the first person that, that benefits from me and, and I offer them value and they offer me value. But if I had to do that with a hundred people, that would be so hard. I mean, you know, it would take every day all year to try and connect with them that way. So I think like, 
you know, we have, um, if you want to have a successful career in this industry, you need to make a few or one really good connections that are really influential to your career and you can help influence their career. Actually, I wanted to bring something up because, uh, I went out for drinks with a friend of mine and he introduced me to a friend of his and this friend of his has a whole load of gear. He has everything like all the best cameras, you know, best gear or whatever, but he has really not a lot of skill at producing movies or telling stories or writing scripts or anything, which is my forte. And, uh, you know, I'm really good at producing and getting actors together and writing scripts and whatever. And so we were talking and we decided, Hey, let's collaborate. We both bring a value to the table. He has a lot of the gear and I have, I, you know, I have the ability to create, but together we're, we're a pretty good match. And my third friend who introduced the two of us said, you know, I should create a, an app like Tinder or something, which is like, that helps people in the industry connect with each other. And we were talking about what this, what this app would look like if it was there. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, but actors would be the lowest. They would be the one that everyone swipes left on or whatever. Nobody wants because there's so many of them. <laughs> and And so like, so, and it's not to say that actors don't offer value, but there's a supply and demand, you know, if you look at, if you look at this person that I met with, what he has is the gear and I have a skill set to get things actually made. Um, together we both see, perceive at least a value from each other where we could work together and combine forces and it'll be good. Whereas if he and I say met an actor in many ways, does that actor, unless they're a name actor, unless they bring value to our project, doesn't really offer. So for all the actors that don't like necessarily have any recognition yet, they don't necessarily bring that. So it's really good for you to know as an actor, if you don't have name recognition yet, what other value can you bring? You know, how, how can you offer value? And sometimes it's not going to be through your acting. I think that's what people need to realize is that, you know, like if I started playing guitar today, I wouldn't go to a band and say, I'm going to be your guitarist. I might say, you know what? I'll be, I'll help you in some other way. Like I'll help promote you or market you or do something else where I have a skill set because I'm still learning guitar. You know what I mean? I think for an actor to start out and not really be able to show or prove that they have some type of ability and to say, I want my value to be acting. It's ridiculous. You know, like you, you know, the band is going to choose a guitarist who's been playing for like, you know, X amount of years, who's really proficient. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, and then when they're choosing amongst who's the most proficient, it's going to come down to personality at that point. Because yeah. Who works best with everybody exactly. else? Who do they, who do they have? Not necessarily have a connection the best with. guitarist. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is the, you know, and I just want to remind the audience, this is the talk we're having. We're talking about where your artistry meets your industry and, and how, how to work this and why have a career in this, you know, like, you know, like why or why not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, like there's, because there are a lot of things that, that go into it. There's all these little things that go into it. And I mean, I always try and, you know, and advocate for keep everything as simple as possible. I mean, in anything, like keep it as simple as possible is the best approach. With that said, there are still things that you're going to come up against. There are, there are still things you're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and being an artist, there's all, there's all sorts of things that you're going to come up against. I mean, there's no place of work that you just show up to. There's no, you know, you show up and you, and this is what's, you know, here you are 
unless you know you book that regular on a TV series, which again, if it only has one year one year run, you know it's now you're you're out of a job, you're looking for a job again. Yeah. So you've got you've you've got to be out there. People have to know that you're there. If people don't, you could be the greatest actor in the world, and if they don't know that you're there, if people don't know that you exist and have some sort of connection with you, then nothing's really going to happen as far as, you know, having like a uh, longevity as far as career and as far as paying your bills with, you know, your, with your craft and your discipline. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, if you're, if you're a painter, I mean, you know, yeah, you get, you got a, a show, you got an exhibition at a, you know, in a, in a gallery somewhere. Well, how long does that run go for? Yeah. You know, like, and then you're, you're back, you're back at, at sort of the drawing board, so to speak. Right. It's, you, you know, what I find amazing gig. to me is, um, how many actors and, uh, you know, if, if you're out there and you've done this, um, you know, just learn from it, I suppose. But how many actors have the high school quarterback syndrome? that I've seen, Hmm. which is what I call a high school quarterback syndrome, because you book a role, a major lead role or big role on a TV show or series. And then you float. And I just do not get that. To me, that makes no sense whatsoever. That is the moment. The moment you book that TV show is when you need to have a script ready that you need to be pushing to get your feature made with you starring in it. And you're, you're legitimate. You're on a TV show right now. You have more momentum than you even know. And there is not necessarily another job coming for you, but you're connected. You're in the industry. Everybody on that set who is a player, if you're a lead, they're invested in you. They're going to be willing to introduce you to their contacts. If you have a script, you have something you want to get made. That's what you need to get ready. And once that season ends, you need to be getting that movie made that summer or whatever's going on. And and I see this time and time again, and I see so many people get a TV show and they don't do that. And then the show ends and then what are they doing? And I'm just like, it boggles my mind. It's like, you got the friggin' lottery ticket. You, you got it. And yeah, not, it's maybe not totally a lottery ticket for you because you had some talent, but stars align, you know, you, you had the right look, the right ability, the right time for the right role. And it came together and you got it. And what did you do with it? And for those of you who haven't got that, start getting ready. Because I say write a script now or, or find someone who wrote a script and, and, and start looking at your career like a preparation, like I'm going to use this leverage to get this thing made. That's what they do in Hollywood. Yeah. I can tell you that from like, in you know, my, uh, in the last three, three or four years, I mean, I've been hanging out with producers more, more than anything. And I can tell you that producers that have long lasting careers that don't just make one movie, they are constantly leveraging everything they have. Yeah. And how is it any different for us? Well, you, you look at, you know, let's look at, at like a company like Pixar, Mm -hmm. you know, like they, they know Disney's the same way too, but like they know, and most major movie studios are the same. They know what they're making right? for like the next, like, 10 years. Yeah. So I'm like, it's like, okay, we're doing this one. We're doing this one. They're doing this one. And within that they're following trends. You look at who does the voice acting and like, you know, they're for all of these things, you know, they, they go with like, Oh, who's like, who's somebody who's really popular right now. Who's somebody. But the thing is, is that it's not just who's really popular, but it's also 
who's also really good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it. So that's where all this stuff comes hand in hand. You've got to have the talent and then you've got to have the talent for your talent. Right. Um, because it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. If like, Hey, you book that thing and it's like, and you've got this script like ready to go, but like, you've also got to be damn good at what you do as well. Yeah. You know, to boot. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise no one's going to give you, if you're, if, if you've booked this, this major show, but like, it's clear that you're just the flavor of the week. Yeah. Then you're going to have a hard, hard time getting something to happen with that too. Right. Right. So being so like, there's no, like you said, like there's no, like one is not necessarily better than the other. No, they come together. You're pumping on more than one cylinder. Yeah. And the reason why I call it the high school quarterback syndrome is because high school quarterback syndrome is, Oh yeah. Back in high school, I was the high school quarterback. I got all the women, you know, I was the guy, you know, and now I drink beer and I watch I watch the game. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's the high school quarterback syndrome, which is like, yeah, I did. I did my show. I booked a TV show one time. That's your high school quarterback story. Cause you know what? Life goes on. That's over. It's done. You know, everybody has their highlights to look back on, but if you're living that highlight, like, okay, I made it. Cause that highlight, I mean, fine. That's fine. If that's all you want, that's great. But if you have ambitions of a greater thing, I think what, what we ought to do is set ourselves up to keep things moving, you know? Um, and I think, um, you and know, you can do it joyfully too. Like it's yeah, not, it have to it's be not like, Oh, well this is, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, I've got this script because this is like, this is something that's, um, looks like it's, it's probably pretty good. Be pretty, pretty commercial, pretty successful. Like, yeah. you know, it's like that, that, that's great. But do you, do you really also love this thing as well? Do you have a passion for this? for this project as well. You know, yeah. like I, I, again, I think that that's always, that's always so important in all of this at the same time. Like it, and it's, it can be a, a tough balance again to try and to try and strike. It's just like, okay, well, I mean, you, if you're trying to maximize and capitalize on some of the breaks that you get while at the same time, like you want to do stuff that is personally fulfilling to you as mm-hmm. well you know, because there, there, there is work that is done out there in, you know, in film and in music and stuff as well, where you're just like, well, this is, you know, like, is this really lasting work or is this just, again, you know, the flavor of the week or the flavor of the month, right. That will be gone and and forgotten about. Right. Um, so it's, it's continue to, to always find, find the love in, in what you're doing, like, and as well as trying to extend a hand to the industry mm-hmm. that you're in as well. Like it's, well, I think, you know, and I think it's, um, I think there's the motivation of being set up and being prepared to succeed, but there's also like, what, what am I offering and what am I bringing to the table when I do succeed? You know, like, uh, like why, like what service am I providing? You know, um, uh, you know, I think, I really think, and I said this earlier in the conversation, but as an artist, it's, it's being entrepreneurial and, um, you know, there's a great book and we'll reference it here in the podcast. It's called the E-Myth and I actually Mm. highly recommend actors and writers and directors reading this and I guess musicians as well. 
but um, read the book because it, it breaks down the entrepreneurial myth. And the entrepreneurial myth, essentially, without ruining the book for you, I'll give you the, the short answer, is that most people who do entrepreneurial jobs believe they need to do everything themselves. And that they can't trust anybody else with most of the other jobs, so they do everything themselves. And so then what's happening is you create a bottleneck in your business where if it doesn't go through you, it's not going to happen. And you only have so much capacity, so only so much can go through you. So meanwhile, while you're learning acting, now you need to learn how to screenwrite. Now you need to learn how to produce. Now you need to learn how to direct. Now you need to learn how to connect with people, blah, 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 blah. Well, there's people who are great at these jobs. Yeah. So what you actually need to do is you need to learn how to connect with people who can do these jobs to help you out. Um, you know, if you look at, say, I'll just use Justin Bieber, for example, because he's one of the most famous, arguably famous people right now in the world. But he's not famous by mistake. He's, he's famous because, yes, he has great talent. He has a good look. Um, he knows, well, whatever, I don't know, whatever. He has talent and he has a good look. But he has uh, he has an agent, he has publicist, he has people, you know, to help him dress. Oh, he has a, you know, he has everything. Team. He has a team, right? There's all these people that are taking care of a lot of stuff. He's not doing it all himself. Just imagine if you took the mindset you had right now, where you're doing everything yourself, and we placed you in one of the most famous roles in in the world, and you. I think the myth is we believe we could do it, but you wouldn't be able to. There's way too many things that are being thrown at you from every direction. You need people that handle that. Um, and so, uh, you know, when we, when we're beginning in our career, once we get ourselves, our artistry to a certain point where we can actually, we feel like we can actually make a career out of it. I think we need to start looking like, how can I get people to help me? And I think most actors, for example, the most they have, is they get a photographer to take their photos and they get an agent and they get an acting teacher and that's pretty much their team. Yeah. You know, and maybe, maybe they have a buddy or someone to run lines with them and like, that's your team and like, and you're, and you're as small as your team. So you need to start looking at, okay, well, what are some other things that I can do? Like get a writer friend, get a writer friend who, who, who writes scripts and start learning from them about writing scripts you know, get a director friend, get a producer friend, get friends that are connecting you in other mediums. You know, um, I remember things turned for, for my agent and I, when, you know, I said, um, so, you know, uh, basically I'm like, I'm, I'm working more with getting movies made through producers. And, and she was like, okay, great. And so we were going that angle a little bit more. And the thing is, is then I would call her and I tell her, these guys want to give me an audition for this thing. Can you help set it all up? And she just set it all up. So in a lot of ways, my producer friends would set up the audition. My agent would just facilitate it and everything would go that way. Yeah. Um, and you know what? It's just another way to build it, to build a possibility. Um, you know, I, it's, it's interesting how it all works, but I think, um, if you're thinking about a career in the arts, I think what you need to start thinking about is where are you going to delegate to and who's going to be the specialist in the areas you don't want to be a specialist, specialist Mm -hmm. in, you know, and then the more you do that, the more you can focus on the craft that you want. Like, um, I think right now when I look at artists and filmmakers, like artists, filmmakers, musicians, whatever, right. They're usually trying to do everything themselves. They're doing the branding, the marketing, the business, the actual craft, they're doing it all right. 
And I think that that's good in an initial step, just so you can understand how they all work. And then as quickly as possible, you need to start hiring out or attracting other people. And even if you go to a, a local school and you get a new grad to help you, just get them, get someone else to start being a team member. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a musician friend. She's just going on tour. She's actually going to come on to our podcast uh, in a week or so, it looks like. She's about to go on tour. She just got to help her with the task of going on tour. She got someone who just graduated from one of our local colleges, yeah. right? To help do the marketing and branding for the thing. And that got one less step of her having to do it. Yeah. And I was like, that's what you need to do. You just, you know, and you, you, you're not going to get the best people at first necessarily, although strive for the best, but you know, get someone because it's one less task yeah. on your plate. And who knows, they could surprise you. Yeah. And so this whole thing about artists being lazy, it's not that it's not like you're, you're lazy by trying to do everything yourself, you know, because now you're working hard for nothing. Like I think we talked about this a lot in our early podcasts is work smart, figure Mm. out how to get people to help you do the things you don't want to do, you know? And I think, uh, you know, and that's, and, and people, you know, like it's so interesting, right? Like I met this guy who has all this gear and he's like, he's like, I've just been making music videos. He's like, I've just been putting music to images and whatever. And he, all he wants is to make movies and he just doesn't know how. And he's not really like in a position in his life. I don't need to get into details about why he doesn't necessarily want to go into learning how to be the best at that. But, um, (laughs) but what does he need? He needs a guy or someone who can help him you know, write stories and write scripts and, and, you know, get a movie yeah. going. Right. And then he has the gear to film it. That's like, so then he doesn't just have to put music to his images. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's so funny because for him, he's like someone like you is a godsend mm-hmm. and to someone like you, he's a he's, godsend. He's a godsend. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's beautiful because I was just talking with another friend the other day and we were saying, why don't we get together and let's just start putting some movies together for the summer or whatever. And then sure enough, you put that out in the world and then, you know, someone comes across. And the thing is, is I could go out and buy all the gear and I I know how to use all the gear and whatever that, but why would I do that? Someone else already has the gear and they're looking for me. Right. And that, and then you're more interested in doing something else anyhow. Yeah. And that whole situation came about simply because my friend and I met up for dinner to catch up. And then he said, I'm meeting a friend for a drink. And I said, okay, well, I'll join you for a drink. And I joined him for a drink and we made a connection. And I think you can call that schmoozing, but it's like, we ended up connecting. This guy was cool. He thought I was cool. And then it turned out that I didn't even know he had gear. Then it turned out he had gear. And my friend was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, you know, Brandon's like a big filmmaker and blah, blah, blah. And boom, stuff happens, you know, and who knows what comes of it. But this is kind of how things work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we're okay. So we're going to start getting back to why I have a career in this. We've been talking yeah. a little bit about how to, why be an artist, but before we're, you do, why don't you tell us about this lovely brew? Yes. Um, this brew here is, um, I, I gotta say it's uh, really gone straight to my head. Um, <laughs> this one comes from, um, Oh my God. I, I don't think we've ever had these guys on the show before. Oh no. Um, and for whatever reason I had, I had to like on my way over there, I had to look up the name of the place like three times because for whatever (laughs) reason I could not remember storm storm. This is from storm brewing company. Okay. 
like I don't know why it just. But you know what? That was head. probably a good way for people to remember it. Yeah. Because you were like having such trouble. Everyone's like storm. It was like a personal internal storm in my own mind. <laughs> uh, storm Brewing Company just on uh, Commercial Drive uh, in Vancouver, BC. Here and they've uh, they've got an interesting setup over there, and um, but lots of really great, interesting beers. I tried a couple. They some really generous sample pours, I've got to say. (laughs) And this one here is their basil IPA. Ah. So you can definitely taste that basil in there. It's got like a bit of a peppery herbal kind of thing. Um, the, the woman who served me there, she was saying that they dry hop in, in the dry hop sort of barrel, they put like fresh basil in, at that stage of it. And so she's like, it's quite, quite forward on it. And it's super dry. Um, it's a little hoppy and it's got a really nice aroma. Um, and I I like it. I, uh, I think it tastes great, but it's kind of like, it reminds me of almost a cologne. (laughs) Like it's, Oh yeah. It's got like a musky. Yeah. It is very fragrant. That basil really just kind of like, yeah, it gives it a musk. It sorts. is like a standout yeah. beer in the sense that I've never had anything like this. Before. Yeah, and IPAs also like are quite quite fragrant and floral right. unto themselves, but with the added sort of basil note in there, it gives it a little extra something. And I thought it was just so interesting when I tasted it that I I would bring it in. But they have uh, they have lots of interesting things constantly on the go over there. Yeah. So, um, this is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice beer. It's a, it's, um, I said, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a lot. It's 7%. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a 7%. Yeah. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty stiff. Yeah. It's a stiff brew. Um, kind of well, a sipping beer. It's a, definitely one. It's definitely one to have as a, as a trial. You know what I mean? Like something different to change it up. Yeah. But it's not, it's not necessarily the kind of beer I would drink necessarily every day. No. But it's something that's been a nice treat. It's, it's good because we start, we have so many different beers on this podcast that it's nice to, to have something. And this really stands out as like one I'll remember. Yeah. Because it's very unique. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So back right. to our talk. So, um, and, and these commercial breaks for the beer, we're not here to promote the beer company. We're not getting paid or supported by them in any way. We just these talks came out of us just having beers and having big talks. So we have beer <laughs> on the podcast. It's kind of a tradition yeah. at this point. Just throwing a shout out at the companies who make delicious beer. Yeah. So and we like crap breweries cause they generate good conversation and good hangouts. Yeah. And it supports local business, Yeah, which is always great. Um, so why or why not have a career in the arts? So let's get back to it. Let's so get back we're to We're talking it. a little bit about how to, I think, when people, when you get into a career in the arts, um, I don't necessarily know if you know what you're getting into. Um, but at least at this point, maybe we've laid out a little bit about what's required to make it work. Because I think a lot of people get into it, find out they don't really succeed as quickly as they want, and they drop out of it. So for those of you who are new, hopefully this talk will help you start on the right foot. And for those of you who've been in a while who aren't necessarily getting the success that you want, 
then hopefully this gives you some tactics yeah. to maybe you know figure out what to do with your career to actually get it kind of jump-started and make it happen. The nice thing for those of you who are just starting is that you start off on the right foot off the beginning. And for those of you who have been in it for a while, you likely already have some ability. You have some craft. You have some technique. Um, so you got that already taken care of. So now you kind of just get to figure out how do I make that work for me a little better, you know? Uh, but I'm I'm a big supporter of making your own work. Um, I think that if you're waiting around for someone to make it for you, I think you're. I just think that that's silly to me. Yeah. I I think um, you know, there's always it's always a good time to start creating your own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a great podcast on that actually from earlier on I think where we did one about creating your own work. Yeah, I don't remember so, the number, but go check back in previous podcasts. Yeah. Um, I believe it's called creating your own work. <laughs> I think <laughs> something so along those lines. Yeah. Um but yeah, and and it is so important to to create your own work and and to keep yourself for me I, the word I always the words I always like to use as far as, you know, when you're not on a job, you know, if you're, if you're not gigging or if you're not on a show or if you're, you know, you're not necessarily even in class or what have you, um, is to do the things that do things that enrich you and do things that nourish you. Right. Um, I think that's a hugely important job as an actor, just to, to refill the well, you know, like read, <laughs> yeah. Read or something like something that really just ignites you in some way. Um, you know, work on, if you're an actor, work on a monologue that you've come across in a play or something that you're like, Oh man, I really love it. Well, just really explore that, get into that, try and yeah. get into that space and, and work it. Um, you know, like listen, listen to great music, like, uh, uh watch great films. Um, read you know, great scripts, read great scripts. And, and, um, go to art galleries. Yeah. Go to art galleries, watch, watch, you know, interviews and, and Ted talks or whatever of, Mm -hmm. you know, some people you really admire who are in your field and, and listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Like there's, there's so many ways and, and in this day and age, it's, it's easier than ever to do these things, right? Like just, really, really engage with these things in, yeah, like just enrich yourself. Build, and like, practice a lot, you know, practice on your own and never make an excuse that you need someone else to help you practice. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think, um, as an actor, uh, talk to yourself, talk to yourself out loud and, and memorize monologues and say them out loud and, and don't look in the mirror just say them, just, just learn how to express, work your voice. If you're, if you're a musician, sing, if you're, you know, a a vocal artist, sing, if you're a guitarist, play guitar, do your drums, practice, practice, practice. I can tell you this with sports. It was the players that practiced the most that were always the best. And those who had natural talent did not compare to the ones who practiced. They just didn't. I mean, practice trumps everything mm-hmm. and you just practice and, and don't make practice complicated. I can tell you this from an athletic point of view. And I, I do feel that this works with everything. If you are a writer, for example, a screenwriter, write character descriptions 
over and over and over. Just character, character description, character description, character description. Then write dialogue from those characters, dialogue from this character. Write the same scene with that character, with the other character created, with the other character created, with the other character created. Then structure, structure, just do one thing at a time. Like, you know, uh, UFC fighters, for example, um, the best ones, and this is how they train. Well, you know what? Some UFC fighter might come on and, and argue with me, but from what I understand, the way they train is you learn one move until you master it. And you master it so well that you can always do that. So for example, the arm bar, where you lock someone's arm and it makes them submit. So you learn the arm bar over and over and over again until you got the arm bar down. Then you move on to your next submission move. And you learn that over and over and over again until you get that down. And then you have two. And then you keep using those every now and then, right? And this is how we learn. So when you're working on something, don't just work on a little of everything. Work on one thing until you master it. And then you get so much confidence with that, you can move on to your next thing. Yeah. And I think what people try to do is they try to do everything, but they do nothing, you know? Yeah. And I think what practice is really about is like, uh, you know, is, is about learning um, different skills and mastering each skill specifically. Well, yeah. I, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. I, you, you focus on, on a certain thing. Like I know, like for, for myself, just in, in my sort of hobby with guitar playing, I'm trying to improve. Like right now I'm, I've kind of gone back to some old, old drills that I learned, you know, a while back and realizing like, Oh, I actually skipped some steps here because I got to a point where I'd sort of plateaued, you know, with some of my playing. And I'm just like, Oh, I'm not really doing anything different. I'm not really, you know, I'm kind of stuck in some of the same old patterns and whatever. And so I was like, I I started going back to some, to some old drills and it's like, and I've noticed over like the course of like, just like a month or whatever of, of just doing these sort of like little practices, you know, changes and improvements in my playing, like huge improvements and changes. Um, and I've also heard in terms of, uh, for another music thing, um, you know, I've heard people in, in bands like musicians and stuff say, uh, you practice a song to, until you hate it. Hmm. <laughs> and then once you, once you can't stand it anymore, now you're ready to play it live. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. That's like, and, and like I, it's sort of a cynical look at it. I don't think that the entire, like the emotional sort of like thing that's behind it, like is just yeah. to sort of explain how well you need to know this song. Right. right? You know, but it, it does a good job of sort of explaining it. It's like, okay, you really, you need to play the shit out of that song together before you're actually, everyone's ready to actually go and perform this in front of an audience. Um, and that's to me again, it's, it's so you can let go. Like with, um, when I was in doing my Meisner training, like, and at this point I'd already done so much training before, before I even did this. And there were certain things that felt like I was learning them for the first time, Mm. um, in terms of doing like a, a sort of a preparation, like an emotional preparation for walking into a scene, but also just in terms of learning lines, you know, it's like for me, learning lines was always just like, oh, it's in in some ways I still feel that way, but you know, it was like, okay, I just, I want to get over learning the lines. As soon as I was, you know, pretty, 
pretty affluent with the lines without a script. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm done working on the lines, but I learned a whole process. I was like, no, no, you've got to learn. Like Larry used to say, he's like, you learn those, those lines until they're, they're in your veins. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to think about them at all. Like there's not a fraction of your brain that has to think about what the next words are that are coming out of your mouth. Right. And the beauty behind that was that it was like, well, when you get it to that point, and there's a lot of work that goes into doing that, you know, sort of tedious work that goes into doing that. And, Mm -hmm. and we even ran exercises that way with our scene partners where we would go outside and we'd throw a ball back and forth and say the lines like as fast as we could. And if we stumbled, if we forgot, we went back to the beginning and started all over again from the beginning of the scene until we could do that whole scene without a pause, throwing a ball back and forth with each other without, without a a hiccup, without a problem. And it does take effort and it does take work, but it was extraordinary how that sort of that one seemingly little thing made such a difference when it went to putting it up in front of an audience Mm -hmm. that, you know, when the unexpected things happened on stage, you were, you were, it didn't matter. Like that you still knew what the words were that were coming out of your mouth next, even if you didn't know how you were going to say them, (laughs) but it was extraordinary, right? It was a freeing thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So, um, why, why or why not have a, have a career in the arts? Uh, One thing I would say is that things are moving more to an artistic, um, way of thinking and a way of being. If you look back through history and how education system was created in the 1800s or whatever, um, industrial revolution and all that, right? So things were created with a certain mindset in place. And at the time it made sense for us to learn and function in a certain way. And so if you look at, say, our parents' generation and the generation before, if you went to school and you got a degree or you got, you know, or even if generation before, if you graduated high school, that was enough. And then it was a degree and then, you know, whatever. You were basically guaranteed to have a job. And now our generation, and it's only, it's only going more this way, knows that if you get a degree, you don't necessarily get a job. We don't believe we will necessarily get a job. That's why things have changed. And it has changed. You know, it's not that way anymore. You, you can get a degree and get a master's. You won't necessarily get a job. Um, well, not a job that you really want and not a job. And further, because there's more of a, and this is, this really bothers me about the educational system. Not that the educators are a problem, but the business of education is a problem for me, Mm. which is that they are making money off of getting students in debt and they want you to be in debt as soon as you can. As soon as you're an adult, they want you to be in debt and they want you to be in debt for the rest of your life. Because if you're in debt for the rest of your life, you're paying money forever. It's like you owe money and you're paying money forever. So the longer you're doing that, it doesn't matter how much money you make because you're paying them and that's all they want. So the whole model is changing and and people are starting to wake up to this. And we're, we're starting to get away from the black and white scientific thinking 
not to say that science doesn't have its place. Don't get me wrong. Science absolutely has its place. But we're starting to think more creatively. We're starting to think more outside the box, outside of whatever. Even if you're getting a job that's very industrial, um, if you look at the people that are getting hired, the people who are creative, who are social, who actually have abilities that are beyond, those are the people that are the real special hires because they can think outside the box. So when we're talking about why or why not have a career in the arts, you kind of have to. It's not really a maybe anymore. Just because you're not an actor or a musician or an artist doesn't mean you're not an artist. It means that you um, are doing another thing, but creativity has more place than ever in our world. And um, as machines, and just to take this further, just to further hammer home on this point, as machines start to be able to do jobs that industrial jobs used to be able to cover with a human being, we don't need industrial jobs as much anymore. Pretty soon robots and, uh, you know, androids, whatever the hell they're going to have in place is going to do that job. So, um, creativity is being like, I'm able to do something regardless of if I can do this one particular job, you know? And so I think that's why I think ultimately the answer is there is only really one way we're going, which is to be an artist, to be creative. Um, and it's, uh, you know, like if we don't adapt and we don't evolve, you, you know, you die. And I think uh, when you look at places like Detroit and places where it was very industrial and people don't have creativity anymore, they don't know what to do. They're, they're, they're stuck. Yeah. Where, where it hasn't been nourished or valued right. and, and that sort of thing. And yeah, and it was, it's, um, you know, it's not to say that those things weren't creative things. Like they were, you know, like building cars, it's like, it's, you know, you're, you are creating something, you're building something, you know, you're in construction. Yeah. There's, there's certain kind of science to it. Um, but it is, there is an amount, there's always creativity that goes into, into everything. So yeah, I think the, the more we can embrace that, you know, the, the more we can, we can be sort of fulfilled in, in what we do. Um, well, you know what the thing is, is people make machines wrong, right? They say, well, I used to move thing from A to B. Now machine comes in and machine moves thing from A to B. So your, your argument is that they shouldn't make machine, but machine doesn't show up late for work. Machine is always there. Machine sleeps there. Machine starts at nine o'clock. Doesn't even have to start at nine o'clock. Machine can go 24 hours a day. Might need to stop every now and then for some maintenance. You need a break. You need lunch. You need to go to sleep. So if you're comparing, if we compare ourselves, if we as human beings at this point in our culture compare ourselves to machine, yeah. we will never be able to compete. We're not built like machines. We are not robots, yeah. right? And that's, but we have creativity. That's what machines don't have. Not yeah. yet, at least. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and yeah, you basically hit it there. Or it's just like, yeah, I mean, there's a recognition that it's like, well, it's like, what's, what's the need for, for people to do these things? Like what? we, we are human. Like we should be bringing what is human to what we do. And if being human is not required for some of the functions that, that are done, I mean, the only reason why we're keeping it around is, you know, keeping somebody with a job, you know, which is, which is obsolete then by this point, because you're like, well, something we've created something else that can do this job, can do it better 
and longer <laughs> yeah. and faster than a person can. So, you know, you've got to look forward, you know, you've got to, you've got to adapt, you've got to move on. And it's a good thing. You know, it's, it is a good thing. It is ultimately a good thing. It's an uncomfortable thing because it's taken away somewhat of a safety net for, for certain jobs and for certain people. But, you know, ultimately it gets us a little bit more connected to, to who we are, you know, and to our own function in, in our lives and in the world and how we can be of service and of value to, to other people. Well, also, you know, we're not, we're not human beings flourish more by not working every hour of their life. In fact, our actual work, actual work output is so small compared to the time we are at work that, um, you know, like, and, and all that time, I mean, with the capacity of what a human being can do to get a human being to put a slice of cheese on a piece of bread for a packaged sandwich that passes on an assembly line over and over all day is a waste of that human being's potential. Yeah. I mean, if, if granted, if it pays you your minimum wage or whatever, and it feeds your family, fine, do the job. But that's not really an expression of what a human being is capable of. No. And so I think the thing is, is like, um, we, uh, we actually, the way the future is going is that human beings, if we were more mindful and we, and people weren't abused and there weren't factions in place to abuse human beings, um, we would work probably four hours a day. That's it. Each and every one of us. And we would have most of that time be free time, but we would do four hours of real work every day or something like that. You know what I mean? And some people argue that you could even take that down to four hours per week or something to the point where it's so minimal that we mostly just have free time. The problem is, is that, you know, from what I understand is we're not ethical enough to deal with all that free time. We have too many addictions, too many abusive qualities to ourselves where we don't. So in some ways, working all the time saves us from ourselves because we would actually get ourselves into trouble. Idle hands. That's a bit of a cynical take on it. Right. But I'm saying that we're transferring from an old model of thinking to a new model of thinking. And I think that in the new model of thinking, it's more about creativity and artistry and it's much less about industry. You know, it's much less about working all the time. Like, you know, um, I was having a conversation with someone the other day just about how they're like, I feel when I'm not working, when I'm not being productive or doing something, I'm wasting time. And it's like, you were taught that that is not true. You're not wasting time. You're never wasting a moment of your life. But if you believe that you have to be working all the time to be making your time count, then you, then you are buying into that old model, which is what we were taught. We go to school from 8 30, 9 AM until 3 PM or whatever. And we do our extracurricular and we do our homework and, and all of that is done. Just understand. And this is what I really want people to understand that was done to keep you busy and out of your parents' hair and out of everyone else's hair. Kids who don't do their homework, who don't go to school are a problem for the way that that society functions. But the question is, do we really need to be going to school for all that time? Like really, if we were mindful and we were educated properly, would we actually need to be tied up in school doing all that and do all this homework? The thing is, is they've proven now, and there's new schools of thought that have proven that that's not true. We don't need to be, but like basically society works on us being busy. So creativity and artistry 
when you become an artist, and I know this because I'm a full-time artist, you, you end up having full autonomy, full freedom. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. So what do you do with your day? You know what I mean? And I'll grant it. Sometimes I abuse my time and I'm not mindful, but for the most part, you have a freedom. You don't have to, you don't have to get up at a certain time. You don't have to go to sleep at a certain time. You don't have to do anything. And when people are working, I'm not working. It's weird. It, it, it actually creates a whole new brand of issues, but I do think being an artist is something where we actually get to control our lives a little bit more. We get a little bit more of expression. And I think that's where we're going. I don't think it's a why or why not question. Ultimately, I think it's a question of when are you going to evolve into a new way of being, you know, and granted, like, you know, I don't, I actually kind of enjoy working like a nine to five job. I've done it before where you're just working and then you get a paycheck and then you go home and you do your thing. I actually kind of like the mindless, like there's almost a mindlessness to it. It's kind of like, I just show up for X amount of time. I just make sure I'm on time, make sure I'm a good person, make sure I do whatever my tasks and then I get paid and I just do it over and over. There's something nice about that. But, um, and I can, and I can find a certain amount of joy out of it. Does it maximize my potential as a human being? I don't think so. Yeah. You know? So I think that, that it's almost like watching TV. Like I find like doing a, I've, I've done, uh, you know, a waiting job. I've done, you know, sold shoes. I've sold clothes. I've, you know, done a whole bunch of, I dug ditches. I think you're doing a task, but it's like almost like watching TV. You know, it's kind of like you're just passing the time until it's over. And then, then you go do what you really want to do. But like, I think that the future, if, if, um, people kind of begin to change the way they've been programmed, we'll live in a society more where people work, you know, four or five hours, six hours a, a, a day, maybe. Yeah. And maybe even two. And then we do real good, productive, effective work. And then the rest of it becomes more of a expression of practice and a hobby and self building, self evolving yeah. and educating. It won't be, um, you know, it won't be this illusion of work in which we live in right now. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, I remember seeing a study a little while ago. They said basically in an eight hour work day, they find that only really, yeah, like really only two hours of, of the average right. person's work day is actually productive. Right. Yeah. And I so mean, uh, we're not, we're, we're, yeah, we're different. And that's the average beings. person. Some people work, uh, 16 hours a day. And I've done this before, but every single hour of your day is like towards a goal that you have connected purpose to, and you're pushing, you're trying to make it happen. Yeah. But most of our life is not like that, you know, for most people. And I, and this is all talking about the average. I think, um, there's no problem in working a 16 hour day. Like I've done it before. I've done it for, you know, weeks on end and found a lot of joy out of it. The, the problem is this feeling that you have to do that for your time to be valid or something. And, and I think for that your existence to be, yeah, to be yeah verified and, yeah. and accepted. And, and yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Right. And I think, um, this whole, like, for example, if you stop for an hour and you meditate, why is that any less valuable than the time you did the laundry, cleaned the dishes and what, and, and washed your floor? Like, why are they, you know, why do, is one productive and one's not meditation is just as important. And actually, as we begin to understand the brain and the internal workings of how we work as human beings, meditation is becoming something where it's like, if you don't do it, it's like 
never cleaning your house. Just imagine you never cleaned your brain. You just like, like your dishes, you never did them. That's your mind. When you don't meditate, your mind is like built up dishes, grungy, dirty, rotting trash and dishes in your mind. Yeah. You've never stopped to even work out. You know what I mean? And, but we, but we're not taught that we're taught that if we stop doing something in the physical world, that somehow we're not productive anymore. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're wasting time. You know, yeah. go for a nature walk, go meditate, go do some stuff. This is actually probably more powerful than a lot of the little tasks. Yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, again, it's, it's, um, these are all things that are enriching. Yeah. You know, enrich yourself as an artist, you know, like as this is part of, of what you do and it's going to defy some of the logic of what we've been told our entire lives. And this is another part about being an artist that people don't expect is that it's like, it's going to put you up against some, like some ideas that you've never challenged before. Right. Um, which is also a good reason why to do it. Yeah. (laughs) I think, you know, this is another thing. It's like, at least as a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, cause you know, I know meditation is, is a deep part of, you know, now it's a daily thing you know, it never used to be. Um, but, um, it's, it's something that has become a practice because yeah, it can, it can basically get like Lord of the flies up there, um, <laughs> without it being checked. It's like a bunch of kid, you know, kids stranded on an Island and, <laughs> you know, they're fighting over the conch and <laughs> yeah, totally. next thing you know, like uh, there's just pandemonium going on up there and like, we're not even, checking in to see what's happening. No. Um, well, but, um, so I, I'm curious, is the beer winning <laughs> for you? Do you want to, do you, do you, are you, do you, uh, feel like it's getting to you or do you feel like you want to keep talking? Well, I feel like I want to just, there, there's something still in this conversation that I feel is to happen yet. Okay. All right. Um, I don't know what that is. We're, we're, we're probably narrowing in onto it. So let's, let's, let's just go back to this for a second. So why to be an artist? Why not to be an artist? Well, you know, there's one thing that I want to, um, bring up now that I think about it, now that you point that out is, uh, and it was something we were talking about before we started the conversation, which is that foundational beliefs. This has been my big the big thing that I've been working in my life recently, and we've had a lot of philosophical talks, you know, just listen to our last several podcasts <laughs> before <laughs> this one. And, yeah. you know, and you'll see that they were progressively more about philosophical and how to be and how to live. But I found that my, my beliefs right now are largely based on some type of foundational belief. And that foundational belief was based on another foundational belief all the way down. And if you chase, chase it back far enough, it's all right back down to my ancestors who were cavemen and cave women. Mm. So if you go back it all, if, so if you come from the core belief of survival and you understand that's probably basically the core, right? How do I stay alive? That's where every belief is really born from. And then you look at our society today and you go, when I woke up this morning, was I worried about dying or not? Really? No. (laughs) Farthest thing from my mind. I can tell you that. I was worried about, should I get a coffee or should I just drink water? (laughs) 
like, like my concerns were like, what should I wear? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So my point is, is that artistry, I believe in creativity is an evolved way of being because when you're in survival mode, you're not thinking about what do I create? What's my artistic expression today? Mm-hmm. You're thinking about, I don't want to die from this tribe or this animal. And how do I feed my family? I mean, that's, that's what you're thinking, right? You're thinking how to protect yourself, how to eat, how to, you know, whatever. So the reason why I say have a career in artistic creativity is it's an, it's, it's your more evolved self and our core beliefs, um, come from a place of survival. So we believe, and I'm speaking very generally and not everybody's going to agree with me and you might not agree with me, but I have found from myself that most of my beliefs are filtered through this idea that I need to survive and be okay. And I need to be secure and safe. And I need to get these things for my life to be valid and okay and important and whatever. And I've since realized that those things are informing a poor way of thinking today. Because once I realize that I don't need, I have food in my house. I mean, granted, if you're in survival mode right now, you're in survival mode. That's you're in it. You're in that place. But for me, I'm not in survival mode. I have my rents covered. Uh, my, uh, my, I got food in my cupboards. Um, I got friends in my life. I got clothes to wear. I got money in the bank. I got pretty much everything I need. I don't really need anything to get by. If I'm thinking about like anything that I need to be okay, that's a false filter. Mm -hmm. So once I accept that everything is okay, then I start thinking from an evolved place. And I think as artists, I think the reason why we don't really realize our potential and we don't go into the arts is because we believe we're in survival mode when we're not, when we're not, that's, that's what I think. And it's based on faulty foundational beliefs. Yeah. And I mean, there's, and there's good reason for that. I mean, how, how I'm sure you heard this before. I know I heard it, you know, when I was first saying like, Oh, I'm going to be an actor. And it was like, Oh, what's your backup plan? What if that doesn't work out for you? Right. You know, like, yeah. And it's, and it's this thing of, Oh, like, how are you going to survive? How are you going to, and it's like, well, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) figure it out. You know, like it's, it's not a big deal. You know, like we make such a big deal out of some of this crap sometimes. It's just, it's, it's absolute nonsense, you know? And, and, um, you know, you're sharing something that's been sort of a personal thought. And and for myself, it's, you know, I I was sharing with you before we started, it's like, you know, realizing that I have this, this part of myself that places so much, um, I'm putting everything onto every project that I take on. Like, you know, it's the, the next script that I write, you know, it's gotta be like, you know, it's gotta be something so incredible and it makes it almost impossible to, to actually do it. Um, and it's just like, well, you know, if you're thinking, if you're thinking of being an artist, you know, it's just as a piece of advice, I guess would be, everything does not have to be everything. Mm. You know, some things will do great things. Some won't. That's just the way it is. You know, it's, so it's, it, it still, to me, it all comes down to this. Is there something inside of you that's looking for expression? Mm. You know, that, that's all it is. It's a call. It's a 
a calling of expression that's going on inside you that has some sort of a way that it wants to be expressed. And that's a good indication of why you should be an artist. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's something that's just not, not being fulfilled in whatever you're doing in your life right now, or maybe you are doing it right now and you just need to do a little check in with yourself (laughs) about what you're doing. But if that calling is there, then that's a pretty good indication of why to do it. But if you don't feel a calling to it, if your calling to it is like, I want to, you know, I want to be big and rich and famous, then that's not a call to be an artist. No, it's a call to be big and rich and famous. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, uh, probably some other demand. The ego. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, whatever. Um, well, I think, uh, I do think that there's that good question. That really great question is, is if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you dare to do? You know, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you knew nothing could go wrong, what would you do? And I think that's much more telling about what we really want. Um, and I think we make a lot of decisions based on, well, I don't want to fail. Um, there was a video I, I, I've been, I mean, one of my persistencies right now, just doing it every day is watching educational videos on various topics. So Mm. I've just been doing that a lot. And so, uh, one thing that I watched a video on was about how kids learn and how, how kids can reach their potential. And they did a study on this, um, where they found that if they told kids how smart they were, there was negative effects for them growing up. Whereas if they told them how great their process was, there was positive effects for them. So for example, they did a test and if the kid, the kids would do well on the test or whatever, and they had a control group as well. But, um, the kids who did really well on the test, half of them, they would tell them, or a third of them, they would tell them, um, you must be really smart. You did really great. You must be really smart. And, and the other group, they said, well, you did really great. You must've worked really hard. You must've really took some chances or tried something or whatever. Well, the kids who were talking about process and what worked hard ended up wanting to take on more challenging things, more difficult things, more, they wanted to challenge themselves. They wanted to try to find out if they could solve things. The ones who were told they were smart didn't want to do harder things. They wanted to do easier things. They wanted to keep maintaining the illusion that they were smart. Right. So what happened was the test basically showed that the ego, which is I'm smart, basically the need to be smart actually kills your potential. Right. Whereas doesn't want to be threatened process, which has no ego in it, which is just that you're, you know, well, actually if the ego could be, you could argue that it's work hard. I'm a hard worker. Right. Was more important than being smart. And then by being, so it's better as an ego point of view, it's better to believe you're a hard worker than it is to believe you're smart because by believing you're smart, And by needing people to see you as smart, you actually want to do less work, less challenge to keep maintaining the belief. But a hard worker actually doesn't care if they look smart or not. They just want to take on the greatest challenge. The person who ultimately has much more success is the person who takes on the harder challenge. Right. So, um, the, the, the point is, is that, you know, these beliefs we have about ourselves, about who we need to be, have a great effect on what we're willing to do. So I would, I would 
and this isn't necessarily proven, but I'd be willing to jump that some people are willing to be artists because they're not, they, they're not afraid because whatever their self image maybe is not so much tied up in that I need to succeed to be okay. Yeah. Whereas people who aren't willing to be artists are a little more tied up in that I need this to be okay. And, um, it's not necessarily true. Like these beliefs we have are not necessarily true. And I think whatever we're trying to maintain in our life is something we need to call into question. I would much rather be a hard worker than smart because I think that, you know, it's, it's someone who's willing to take on challenges and, uh, you know, smart is like, well, what if, what if one day I'm not smart? You know, I remember there was a player on one of my teams. He was a star. I may have shared this story before, but we had a player tryout who was, um, you know, and he, I remember sharing with us that he was like worried he was going to be replaced because he was the best player. But, you know, for the other players, they weren't worried about that. We were all working hard, you know? So there's, I think when you perceive yourself as the best or perceive yourself in some position or some image, you stop learning to express and be creative and be an artist, you know, stop putting yourself out there because now you're just trying to maintain this position. You know what I mean? And all becomes about performance and results and whatever. Yeah. Um, which I've definitely, definitely fallen victim to myself. Oh, I, I, I can say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, why, why be an artist? Why or why not? Well, look at it as kind of a, I think, I think my final note would be look at it as something that's, um, it's the only way to find out who you really are and what you're made of. I mean, if you live too safe and you never create any value, you never try to put yourself out there and express yourself and do something. I mean, you're just basically the equivalent to a robot, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, we can find a scientific breakdown for everything, but, but you as a human being don't have to just be a science experiment that, that didn't work out. You know, you can be, uh, something and, and you can change at any moment. You can decide that everything you've been doing can stop right now. And you can, you can turn this ship around, you know, um, you don't have to keep going down this road. And I think, um, unfortunately, because of the way our society was born and evolved to the place it did, we were all at least at this point educated from a faulty system. And I think we need to, I think we need to be willing to extract ourselves from that system and start to look at the world, you know, in a new way. Well, yeah, I mean, there's an opportunity there, you know, within that challenge, there's an opportunity and we're in that opportunity Mm -hmm. as we speak, um, to really call into question, to find better ways to find more truthful, um, expression. And I, and I think that that's also a big thing if I'm going to leave a final, another little sort of final note to this is, um, you know, if you're looking to be a more, more honest, authentic, truthful person in your life, then I think artistry is, you know, the best way to go about doing something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think ultimately that's what art is about is, is it's expression of, of the truth of what's inside of us. Yeah. And so if, if that's what you're, if you're looking for, if you're looking to find greater truth in you, 
and in the world than walk down the path of being an artist, you know, for as, for as long as you feel it's necessary. Mm -hmm. And it might not, it might not feel necessary for your entire life, but it will probably show you the things that it needs to show you. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of what you do with your life is becomes kind of a, a piece of art in itself. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, it's not, artistry is not exclusive to the artistic disciplines. You know, it can be found, it can be found in everybody's lives. Um, but it's just, sometimes you need to kind of go full, like head first into it in order to be able to start to recognize those things. Yeah. I think, I think artistry is not just something you get paid for. It's something that is expressed through all sorts of stuff. It's expressed through dating. I mean, if you're on a date with someone and you do the stereotypical, let's go to dinner and have a drink and then watch a movie and you do it all by the numbers, you know, and there's no creative expression or whatever in there, you know, it's going to be very kind of probably boring and whatever. But if you find a way to kind of express and create and do something that's unique, um, you're going to have something that's going to stand out, something that's going to make a difference, something that's going to share more of you or, or get out of your comfort zone in a way. It's like, you know, if you're going to do, um, you know, dinner or drink in a movie, go, to, go and have dinner at a place that is so different from anything you've ever eaten before. Right. Order a drink that you've never had before go and see a type of movie that you don't typically go and go and see, like give yourself some different experiences, open yourself up to something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that's, that's just like, there's all sorts of little ways in which you can sort of build artistry in your life. Yeah. And, and I guess to a large degree, it comes down to pushing yourself into some uncomfortable places or mm -hmm. getting a little bit out of the the normal, getting yourself out of the routine, not working on autopilot, not yeah. just, yeah. Like just being consciously engaged with, with your life, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah, you can, you can take it in so many different ways. So I think, I think the answer that we've come to at the end of this to, you know, why or why not, um, be an artist or have a creative career or whatever, um, is simply, that it's, it's not like, why not is basically like not doing it is not expressing yourself and doing it is finding, is finding yourself in the things that we do. Um, because not everybody does the same thing the same way. I think that's what you end up finding out. You know, when you, we, you, you listen to two different musicians play a song, two different filmmakers make a movie, two different writers write a script, two different actors do a scene list goes on two different painters to a painting. Um, you find out that everybody has their kind of own way of doing it. Everybody. And there's billions of people in the world. And for you to assume that you do anything the same as anyone else. And as though that would be a good thing is delusional and it's old thinking. And I think what we're trying to point out here is that, and what we've come to really is that find the way you do it. And and have that become a part of your life. And if you take that further into a career and into whatever, then fine. That's great. Yeah. 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 I think that's an interesting sort of thing that's happened from the beginning of this conversation to the end, because yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with you. It's, it's not like, why should you, or shouldn't you be an artist? It's like, 
It's like, why should, would you not be an artist in your yeah. life? Um, and again, it's, it, how far you want to take that is up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like whether you choose that to take that on as, uh, as something you do for your, uh, a career, or if it's something that, that you do just kind of for yourself, um, to sort of engage with the world and with yourself in a new way, then that's fantastic. Um, but do it. I think our artistry is something that we should all incorporate into, into our lives. And keep listening to our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. We love that too. We got more things to share. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.